Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Valley Creek Church. It's great to be with you. Let's do this. From wherever you're engaging at, whether you're at our online campus, you're in Denton, Flower Mound, Gainesville, Louisville, the venue, let's all welcome each other together today. Love hanging out with you. So, hey, let me kick things off today with, with kind of an interesting question. Have you ever seen anyone that doesn't have any shame? No, no, like, like we're at church. So it's like, well, yeah, I'm supposed to, nobody has any shame. Like, just hang with me. Like, like somebody that just has no shame. Like, maybe you saw some people at the beach or uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe there's that guy that, you know, he's, he's like completely normal at, at work or at school or at church. Uh, he's kind of quiet and reserved until you get to his favorite sports team. And then, and then all the quiet and reserve goes out the window. And this same guy like is now like screaming at a TV and, you know, jumping and throwing stuff. Or, or you see this same guy at a game. And now this guy who's, who's quiet, who, you know, never speaks up in class or raises his hand in a meeting. Now he's got his shirt off and his chest painted. And he's like hugging complete strangers and screaming advice at a referee. Like no shame, none at all. Or how about, how about the parent with the kid? who does a little bit of artwork. Like maybe the five-year-old who draws a picture and now this parent thinks like, this is the greatest piece of art that has ever hit the face of the earth. Like they're, they're posting about it. They're printing copies. They're calling the news. Like my kid's the next Rembrandt. Like, and you're looking at it like, it looks like that kid did it blindfolded with his foot. Like it's, it's, not, it's not so good, but the parents got no shame at all. It's kind of some extreme examples, but uh, let, me just, let me kind of use that to take us to a question. Where do you live life unashamed? Like, where do you live unashamed? Think about what unashamed means. Totally free, confident, secure, no self-conscious at all. I mean, it's, it's the guy with no shirt and his chest painted. Like, he's totally free, he's unashamed. Where do you live life like that? Because I think all of us probably, we have some places where we live unashamed, you know, places things that we're passionate about, that we enjoy, um, and that we really believe in. But let me narrow that down a little bit more. How about with Jesus? Do you have any shame at all when it comes to Jesus? And I'm not talking about shame with Jesus. I'm talking about shame about Jesus. Like, I'm not talking about shame with Jesus. Like, where you've got shame about, about your past or your failures or mistakes, all that's taken care of by Jesus. I'm talking about shame about Jesus, who he is, and what he's done. Because I think normally I could answer that question as, as no. Like, I don't, I don't shame about Jesus. But over these last several weeks, when we were reading through the book of Acts, and I'm looking at this early church and these early followers of Jesus and the disciples and Paul, and I'm like, like wow. Man, they're this amazing group of people who, who they were strangers. Now they're this family on mission who's so unashamed about Jesus. And there's this verse that kept coming up that even though I was really familiar with it, that the Holy Spirit like kept bringing it up for me to wrestle with. It's Romans 1.16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It's kind of like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And, and that verse is like really challenging me. But what's fascinating is that verse is written by Paul, who used to be Saul, the guy who was probably the most unashamed about hating Jesus of anyone in the Bible. I mean, Paul, like before he was Paul, he was Saul the persecutor. I mean, he's this Pharisee, this religious leader who makes it his life ambition 
to just hate and persecute anything, all things Jesus and any follower of Jesus, just to torment them, to intimidate them, to arrest them, to kill them. And he truly was unashamed in his hatred for Jesus. I mean, he's the guy who in Acts 7, he holds the coats for all the guys that are stoning Stephen to death. Like, man, I don't want anything to get in y'all's way. I want you to really wind up. Let me have your coats. I mean, he's like, no shame at all. And then he has an encounter with Jesus, with the gospel, and it changes everything. And Saul becomes Paul. And you see this guy who was so full of hate and this hard heart, and his encounter with Jesus, he's, he's blinded. And over these next three days, like this complete transformation, and, and when his sight comes back, he's now looking through eyes of grace. And that hard heart was pierced by the grace of Jesus, and it's now soft and it's full of love. And now he can't help but talk about Jesus everywhere he goes. He's now completely unashamed about Jesus. That's because Paul knew what it was like to be Saul. Paul knew that he needed salvation. Like that word salvation in Greek, it's the word sozo. It means to heal, to save, to make whole. Because salvation is not about heaven one day. It's about being saved and healed and made whole today. And that's what Paul experienced. He experienced a complete transformation today. And so he was wholeheartedly like unashamed about who Jesus is and what Jesus had done. And so he's, living, he's like that guy with no shirt and his chest painted. Like he lives this whole different life and the whole like most of the New Testament, it's all Paul living this unashamed life, totally free and confident and secure in Jesus. And I love it. I think part of that, look at this verse. Paul writes this in 1 Timothy. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Like Paul never lost sight of what the gospel had done for him. He remembered who he was, but then who he became. He knew he had been saved, healed, and made whole. He had an, an encounter with Jesus, and it changed everything. And so in looking at Paul's life, I was kind of looking at my own and saying, and can I say that about me? Living unashamed about Jesus. Can you say that about you? Like, do you remember what it was like before Jesus? Do you remember the kind of life that you used to live? Do you remember the things you used to pursue? Do you remember what Jesus has done for you? Because like, like, I don't think we talk about the things that we're ashamed of. Like we don't talk about our, our mistakes and our failures and our secrets. Like we talk about the things that we're proud about. But in this last season, I think one of the things that we have lost sight of the most over this past year is mission. And all the isolation and seclusion, like we've just lost sight of mission, talking about Jesus, who he is and what he's done. And if we're honest, like over this last year, we just really got self-focused. We got caught up in self-preservation mode and self-protection and what are, what are my needs? What are my problems? How do I take care of me? And we lost sight of why we're actually here. Like mission. Because mission is what Jesus is all about. In Luke 19.10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He says, I came to seek and save the lost. You and me and them. That's why he came. He came on mission. That's what the gospel is. The gospel, the good news about Jesus is that Jesus came on mission for us to completely change who we are, give us a new identity as God's children, to restore our relationship with God as our father and to give us a whole new purpose in life, mission. To go on mission now to share the same hope that we've received with other people.
And that's exactly what happened to Paul. Like Paul was touched by the mission of Jesus and then he became part of the mission of Jesus. Paul became part of a family on mission. And family on mission is something that you'll hear a lot around Valley Creek because it's, it's who we are. It's the culture of our family. Like we're a family that's on mission. The vision of our church at Valley Creek is that we're a movement of hope for the city and beyond. The primary way that that happens is through a family on mission. It's like you, you can't be a movement by yourself. One person isn't a movement. We got to be together to be a movement. You got to be a family, but you got to be a family that actually has purpose, has mission, going and sharing the hope of Jesus. That's a family on mission. That's what a movement of hope looks like. And I think this family, the Valley Creek family, I, th I think it's pretty fantastic. I think this is a great family. And I think a lot of you, you probably have a high value for this family. I think you, you value who we are and what we have. You value the services and, and the experiences and you value, you know, what we have for kids and students and, and you found friends here and you found belonging here and it's been great and you value it. And some of you, you value mission and you lead and you serve and you invite and you include and you, you take the hope that you've received here and you carry it out to other areas of life. But let me see if I can elevate the value of family on mission for all of us just a bit. And so think about it like this. The mission existed before the family. Like realize that the mission came first. From the very beginning, God's been on mission to build a family. It's what the whole Bible, the whole Bible is a story about God building a family. And then when that family got broken, the sole reason Jesus went on mission was to restore the family again. I mean, in John 1, 12, it says, but to all who believed him, Jesus, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. It's what Jesus' mission was, to make a way for people to become part of God's family. The mission was for the family. You see, Jesus didn't, he didn't start this family. He didn't start the church and then like, I gotta have something for them to do. You know, like, I, I got this great church, I got this great family, like, they're gonna get bored, I gotta come up with something for them to do. Mission, that's what they can do. Like, that's not what happened. But I think we kind of think that. We think like, you know, we came up with mission or it was just kind of an add-on for Jesus to his church. When that's not it at all. The mission doesn't exist for the church. The church exists for the mission. I guess we're saying again, the mission doesn't exist for the church. The church exists for the mission. That's the sole reason Jesus established his church, his family, was for the mission. He said, I will build a church to accomplish my mission. I will build a family to build the family, to be on mission, to share the gospel, the good news about me, because it is salvation. It can heal and save and make whole anyone who believes. Jesus made a way for all of humanity to become part of the family, but then he entrusted that mission to the family. He said, hey, I'm going, but I'm gonna leave my mission with you. Think about it like this. He empowered us to watch the kids. Yeah. Here's like my wife and I, Reese, we, we have four kids and easily they're the most valuable thing in our life. I have to think about that. Our kids are the most valuable thing in our life. And our oldest is our 16 year old Thatcher. And sometimes we will trust and empower Thatcher with the kids, like watching them, taking care of them. You know, he recently got his driver's license. And so like that first morning when, you know, he loaded up the three girls in his car and he took everybody to school, like 
Man, it was tough. You know, it's kind of like our whole little world all in this one little car. But, you know, we were trusting and empowering him with what matters most. That's exactly how God views you. He has trusted and empowered you with what matters most, people. His kids. He's like, hey, I'm giving you the keys to my kingdom. I'm entrusting you with the whole world. Go. Like Thatcher is my beloved son. And so I empower him. You are God's beloved sons and daughters. And he has empowered you to go bring his lost sons and daughters home. That's what it's all about. And then he gave us everything we would need to do that. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says, hey, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be a family on mission, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, hey, hey, family. Hey, church. I'm giving you my mission. I'm giving you my very spirit. Now go turn the world upside down. And it's exactly what you see happen in the book of Acts. You see this family, this church on mission that just totally rocks the world around them. And I see that right here at Valley Creek. I see this family on mission who's turning the world upside down around them. And that's who we are. And it's, and it's what Jesus showed us from the beginning. I mean, Jesus and the disciples, it's a picture of family on mission. That Jesus was modeling it for us. Because the furthest thing when the disciples started that they were like was a family. They weren't a family at all. They were this dysfunctional ragtag group of guys. I mean, you had some of them that were fishermen. You got one of them that was a tax collector that worked for the Roman government. You have another one that's a zealot that wants to overthrow the Roman government. You got some of them, they're so private, nobody knows what they do. They're, they're just this group of guys. But then Jesus goes on mission to them and they become brothers and they become a family. And then they go on mission to build the family. And that little group of 12 grows to 70 and to 120 and to 3,000 and Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, and to you, and to me. I mean, do you realize there wouldn't be one single one of us engaging today if it wasn't for a family on mission that was sharing the gospel, the good news about Jesus, over and over and over until it hit you and me. Like, think about that. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for a family that was on mission for us. Who needs to be here today? Because we're a family on mission to them. Because we do have a responsibility to give what we've received. We just prayed for that earlier. We have a responsibility that we've received the mission of Jesus. We've received hope and grace and life and salvation. We have a responsibility to go and share that with other people. And that's what God is calling us back to. God is calling us back to family, back to mission, back to being a family on mission. So where do we go? Like, how do we start? What do we do? You go back to Romans 1.16. You go back here and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That's where we go back to. But why don't we? Like, if that's true, why aren't we as unashamed about Jesus and the gospel as we are our politics and our sports and our hobbies and our jobs? Maybe it's fear of man. Maybe we're just worried about what people are gonna think, how people are gonna view you if you, you make it all about Jesus. Maybe you're, you're fearing, worried about losing a relationship, a friendship. Maybe you're scared of, of, man, 
living a different life. Or maybe, maybe just don't believe in the power of the gospel. Like, God hasn't done this for me, and so I'm not really sure he would do it for somebody else. But remember, it is the power for salvation. To heal you, save you, make you whole, not just get you what you want. Or maybe you're just insecure about, like, I don't know enough about Jesus. I don't want to talk to people about Jesus, because why do they ask me something that I don't know? Okay, I, I get that. All those worries, all those concerns, all those fears. And those same things, they, they faced the early church too. They didn't have all the answers. They didn't know it all, but ultimately they didn't let that stop them. They'd been so impacted by the mission of Jesus, they just couldn't help but go be a part of the mission of Jesus. Because <laughs> here's the thing, when it comes to the mission of Jesus, the level to which you've been transformed by the mission will equate to your level of boldness for the mission. Like when you've been transformed by the mission of Jesus, it will equate to your level of boldness for the mission of Jesus. I mean, think about Paul. I mean, here's a guy. He goes from Saul the persecutor to Paul the apostle. He goes from the most unashamed persecutor of Jesus to the most unashamed proclaimer of Jesus. And then you see that all through the book of Acts. You see just these people who are so bold and unashamed, even when they didn't have all the answers. And when, you know, they weren't like, all formally educated. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't know, but they could talk about what they'd seen and heard. They could talk about what Jesus had done for them and talk they did. In the face of all those doubts and fears and unknowns, they talked about Jesus. And I know we can get all caught up in, like, man, I don't know how to do that. I'm not sure what to do. I don't know how to be bold and unashamed. Okay, don't overcomplicate it. It's not complicated. It's just some simple things like this. It's like going to a restaurant and noticing if, if something is off with your server, like if something's wrong with them and, and being bold and unashamed enough to just say, hey, is everything okay? Is there anything that I can pray for you about? That's being bold and unashamed to just share the goodness of Jesus with somebody. Or it's students going to school and being bold and unashamed enough to just talk about what Jesus is doing for them with their friends with their teammates, with their teachers, with their coaches. It's you being unashamed enough to actually post about what Jesus is doing in your life on your social media. It's doing things like not taking jobs and selling homes so that you can be part of mission. I say all of those things because I see those things happening in this family all the time. All the time around here, I see Valley Creek being a bold and unashamed family on mission. So don't overcomplicate it. Just don't be ashamed of hope. Just don't be ashamed of hope. But at the end of the day, it's gonna cost something. It's gonna cost something to be a family on mission. Like, do you remember the story about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And, and this is a guy who, he probably had a, a rough life growing up. Probably faced a lot of, a lot of persecution and, and grief over his height. And so he finds a way that, to kind of get back at everybody to get his vengeance, and he becomes a tax collector. So this is how I'm gonna get some power and some vengeance, and that's what he does. His life is defined by vengeance and cheating people, and he's great at it. it says that he's rich, and he's successful, and he's one of the most influential men in the area, and he's miserable. And he's hearing people talk about Jesus. They're talking about what they've seen and heard and what they've experienced, and he's hearing them talk about hope. He's like, I gotta... I gotta see this and check this out for myself. And so he hears that Jesus is coming to his town and he finds a way to go 
meet Jesus. And in his one encounter with the gospel with Jesus, it changes everything. And he is completely changed. And salvation comes to Zacchaeus and he is healed and saved and made whole. And you see his response, like he immediately, he says, I'm gonna give half my wealth away. And I'm gonna, if anybody that I've cheated, I'm gonna pay them back three times what I've cheated them out of. And he, he has this party where he's proclaiming, he's talking about Jesus. And I think we tend to stop the story right there and, and, and think that was the extent of it. Like he, he was really generous, he gave a lot away, he made restitution. He had this party talking about Jesus. But that was just the surface level costs. What about the next level costs? Like what do you think his wife thought after he gave all that money away? How do you think that went at home? Or how about all of his friends that depended on him cheating people for how they partnered with him and for the extras that they got? Or how about with his boss when his production dropped because he's not cheating people anymore? Or just some of those relationships that now that he's living a different life, they don't want anything to do with that. There was a lot of next level cost for Zacchaeus, but ultimately he was totally fine because he had been humbled and he had been honored and he had received hope and he was not ashamed of hope. So I think with us, I'm not like, we're okay with those surface level costs, but I think sometimes we're not okay with the next level costs. Like if I'm gonna be a family on mission, that it, it might mean that I don't, I don't have those friendships anymore. But if I'm gonna be a family on mission, that it, it means I can't trash those politics and that politician anymore. That if I'm gonna be a family on mission, I, I can't live that same life anymore. I've gotta live differently. Like I think sometimes we just don't want to pay the cost. And when you're feeling that way, when you're wrestling with those costs, and here's what you do. You just, again, go back to where we started. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The good news about Jesus, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to you, to me, and to everyone else who believes. If you're feeling shame, if you're feeling that tension, just remind yourself of what the gospel has done for you, of your salvation, that it has healed you and saved you and made you whole, that you have received hope and allow that to fill you then with a boldness to say, I'm not ashamed about Jesus. And I don't care what the cost is because I've received salvation and I've received hope. And so I'm gonna go be a family on mission to go and give it away. I'm not ashamed of hope. And so here's the thing. Here's a really easy way to jump back into being a family on mission. Next week is Easter. And we are gonna put Jesus on display we're gonna have a full experience with the gospel. Bring someone, invite someone. If you're online, share the link. This, this past year has been really hard for a lot of people. Let's beat them down. Who needs to be encouraged with an encounter with Jesus? Because one encounter with Jesus changes everything. So just bring someone, invite someone. But here's the thing, like the, the whole point of this message isn't to invite someone to church. It's about us responding to God, calling us back to family, back to mission, back to being a family on mission, sharing the hope of Jesus. And so mission requires movement. You gotta take steps. And so here's some really simple next steps to just go and live out life of being a family on mission. Use your social media. Just use your social media. Talk about Jesus. 
Like, can you imagine if the early church had social media? What that would look like? Like, think about if Peter had social media. And be like, yo, check me out. I'm walking on water. Yeah, no. Oh, I'm seeking. Like, yeah, I lost my phone. Like, you know, or <laughs> Peter's a little brash. He'd probably, you know, he'd post some stuff, have to take it back down. And, you know, but I think, I think most, most of the other church, like, it would have been incredible. Because in Acts 420, it says that they couldn't help but talk about what they'd seen and heard. And I think that social media, it would be full of what they were seeing and hearing and experiencing with Jesus. They'd be talking about how somebody came and prayed for them and what, how God moved or how they got to go and pray for somebody else. They got to talk about how they see just people blessing other people and meeting their needs and how they were watching relationships get healed and God moving and doing miracles in their life. Like they would be talking about it. Let's do that. For a lot of us, social media is the loudest voice you have. It's the loudest and most furthest reaching voice you have. And here's what's cool. Social media echoes. You say something one time and it just says it over and over and over and over. So let's talk about Jesus. Something else you can do, really simple, just serve someone. Just serve. And Jesus is the greatest servant that ever walked the face of the earth. And as the King of kings and Lord of lords, everything he did was beneath him. So there's nothing that's beneath us. <laughs> so just practically look at how can I serve people? Like maybe it's your own family. Maybe it's people you go to school with. It's a friend, a teacher, a coach. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's people at work. Maybe it's somebody who serves you. How can you serve someone else? Because serving someone is one of the most tangible ways to start showing them Jesus. Or here's the last one. Just tell your story. Just talk about who you were and who you are. Just tell your story, what Jesus has done for you. I mean, the last 10 chapters of Acts are basically Paul telling his story over and over and over again. He's just telling different people in different ways. This is who I was and this is who I am. Tell your story with Jesus. I love this verse in 1 Peter 3.15. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I love that. So be prepared. Just ask God to remind you. God, what's the reason for the hope that I have? Will you just remind me what you've done? Would you remind me what the gospel's done for me? Remind me for the reason for the hope I have and then just go tell your story about that hope. You see, we still believe that we are a family on mission. We still believe in the power of the gospel, that it is the power for salvation to heal, save, and make whole everyone who believes. So next week, let's go be a family on mission. So what do you need to do to go on mission with the hope of Jesus? Would you close your eyes and just pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you went on mission to us. Bold and unashamed, you came on mission to us to bring us your grace and your life and your hope. And I just invite you, would you remind us fully of that? Would you, Holy Spirit, just speak to us and remind us what we've received, how the gospel has transformed us, how we have been saved and healed and made whole. Remind us of our life. Remind us of the grace and the forgiveness. And may it just turn up in us just a boldness and an unashamed confidence and freedom 
and security to go and talk about you. May our family, the Valley Creek family, truly rise up to be more resolute than ever, to respond to your call to be a family, to be on mission, to be a family on mission. You are worth it, Jesus. We are unashamed of you. We thank you and we love you. In your name we pray, amen.